Next Chapter Podcasts. Welcome to episode six of Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where we peel out the wallpaper of polite society. I'm your host, Kiki Anderson, but you already knew that. Now, haters will say, Kiki only talks about sex and porn in her podcast, and that's just not true. Sometimes I talk about cum and tits. Nice. But today's podcast is gonna be a little different. Last time, if you tuned in, well, you heard us talking all about one of the most polarizing topics in the United States when we spoke with the incredible Viva Ruiz of the Pro-Choice Art Project, Thank God for Abortion. And she truly painted a full picture in the fight for reproductive health care rights. Abortion people, sex workers, none of this is new to a lot of us, right? I mean, fascism is here and the youth are being indoctrinated. The youth on the right have grown up in these really intense times of um, disinformation. None of it is innovative. And that's the thing that, that the right wing are just, they're just corny, it's sad. Like they can't even be funny about it. Like they're corny, their graphics suck. <laughs> they are, there's no real artwork on the, on the right because they're boring. We live in hell, truly. And with so much terrifying shit happening nowadays, it's kind of hard to know what to focus on. Whether it's the ancient germs escaping from the melting ice caps, <coughs> or AI scraping your social media to give your selfies to the cops, <coughs> or whatever the fuck is happening in Taiwan. Honestly, at this point, they should be giving Klonopin out for free. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm not doom scrolling to the point of hyperventilating into a paper bag, I make jokes. I'm a comedian, it's my job to stay current with the headlines, like how the government may have actually been hiding aliens from us for decades. Which, by the way, no one's talking about, because of course, of course aliens are real. But what are we gonna do about it? No one's coming to save us. Who's gonna save us? Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein, Joe Biden? How do those three unrelated people all look like the little dying alien from Men in Black? Then there's the other theory that the whole thing was a cover story cooked up by the CIA to distract us from some other awful nightmare that they're cooking up. But I digress. My job is to read all about it and make you feel less suicidal by laughing at it. Because comedy is how we deal with the never-ending bukkake of bad news. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has signed a new law banning public drag performances with a six-year prison sentence for repeat offenders. As first predicted in the now documentary, Medea Goes to Jail. <laughs> Immigration. It's the reason I'm here. Well, well, the reason I'm in this country, not the reason I exist, the reason for that should be obvious, a tax accountant fucked a stork and voila, here I am. Comedy and current events are so interconnected that in some bizarre instances, they actually influence each other. For example, you know that hot Ukrainian guy who keeps asking people for money in army tanks, Zelensky? You've probably heard about him. He's the one that pissed off Putin by being like, weirdly good at his job. Before he was fending off fascists, he was actually a successful comedian who even voiced the bear in the Ukrainian dub of Paddington and Paddington 2. Beg your pardon? Or how about this? Think back to 2011, way before SNL alum Seth Meyers' hairline was migrating north across his forehead. He was hosting the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Gary Busey said recently that Donald Trump would make a great president. Of course, he said the same thing about an old rusty birdcage he found. Myers and then-President Obama both delivered burns to Donald Trump's face that were so hot that they left him visibly stewing in his little meat sweats on live TV. And many people credit that moment as the moment that Donald Trump decided that the ultimate comeback would be to run for president and use our country as a little comrade for him and all his dirty deals. And what's truly maddening is that he's actually funny. 
Don't get me wrong, I hate that motherfucker, but Trump proves that you don't actually have to be relatable or likable to get laughs. Like, dude, the guy stared straight into a solar eclipse and tweeted stuff like, while Bette Midler is an extremely unattractive woman, I refuse to say that because I always insist on being politically correct. Bing, boom, right under the toilet. Obviously though, the idea that anything can be universally funny does seem a little laughable at this point. Now, the word woke kind of makes me gag, but there's no denying that there are a lot more barriers and boundaries around what can and can't be joked about these days. And that's not always a bad thing. I mean, if you disagree, I invite you to come sit with me in the disgusting basement of a dingy sports bar on a Thursday night where you can watch 10 of the hackiest comics run a tight five on domestic violence or rape while crying free speech. And I'm not one to say that you can't joke about those things. I'm just saying that the people that do are usually fucking morons. Who, me? We can argue about how PC culture is ruining stand-up comedy all day long, but one thing's for sure, comedy changes with the times. Humor is extremely of the moment. Like, I wanna share with you a couple barn burner jokes that were published at a time when literally no one had a problem being the absolute worst. Here's the Cincinnati Enquirer in 1896. A fellow tells his ma that there are two holes in his trousers and then tells her that's where he puts his feet through. I'm sorry, what? The Salt Lake Herald in 1899. A man got up one morning and couldn't find his alarm clock, so he asked his wife what had become of it. She said, it went off at six o'clock. Boo! Seriously though, this is all just to say that at some point people thought that stuff was unbelievably funny and things change, it's not that big a deal, which is worth keeping in mind when someone tries to argue that their free speech is being infringed upon just cause someone doesn't wanna hear the cringiest opinion that's ever crossed their mind. Now, some comedians did face actual consequences, like Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, they were all arrested for quote unquote obscenity. And in 1981, comedy duo Bowley and Wilson faced a year in jail for performing something called the fart song. But that doesn't equate to modern fears of being canceled, whatever that means. Especially since dudes like Chris D'Elia still tour around the country to this day. Must be tough being forced to perform in little shitholes like, hmm, let's see here, 6,000 person stadiums in Ottawa and Nashville's historic Ryman Theater. It's almost like consequences aren't real as long as you can move tickets. Meanwhile, the Malaysian government is out here threatening to have comedian Jocelyn Chia arrested after she made a joke about that plane that crashed a few years ago. Anyway, the point is, it's hard to cut off the 24-7 fire hose of headlines from all over the world that are designed to never let you sleep again. And it's even harder to keep a sense of humor about everything. So how do we come up for air when there never seems to be any relief? At what point does reading the news become a death sentence for any hope we have left? And is there really anything we can or can't laugh at anymore? For hard-hitting questions like these, I brought in two hilarious people to help me out. Fellow former journalist turned comedian Natalie McGill, who was an on-air correspondent for the political satire show Redacted Tonight, and was nominated for an Emmy for her writing on HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show. I also brought in the co-founder and editor-in-chief of the satirical news site The Hard Times, Bill Conway. Hi, Bill. Natalie, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. So uh, we're trying a new thing here with our interviews. We're just totally off the cuff. Like, there's no right answer. Uh, the podcast is called Indecent with Kiki Anderson. So, Natalie, you first. What's indecent to you? Uh, well, considering everything that's going on right now, um, injustice. <laughs> All the people who shouldn't be getting fucked over are the people who are getting fucked over. And uh, uh, all the people who have power are abusing it. And um, yeah, the, that's what's indecent to me right now. 
That's real. That's real. And what about like we, we talk a lot about taboo topics? What are what are some of your personal taboos? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough one. Like as a comedy writer, I feel like I mean there are certain things you always want to be on the. I, I feel like the correct side of things, but like late, for example, there was a a hard times headline we did recently that I got many DMs from people that were like, "This is something you cannot joke about." I don't know how you could do this, and my I, I didn't respond to a lot of it because like, well, see, I don't think you're getting the point of it. But it was just the headline I have it here is "Summer Break Forces Gun Store Owners to Prepare for Slow Season." So the <laughs> Obviously, the joke is there'll be less school shootings over summer break and people are like, you can't joke about school shootings. Uh, and like, well, this is not a joke about glorifying the violence that is happening in schools. It is about guns and the readily, how readily available they are for people to use these things. And I mean, we're coming off of a, what, how many mass shootings? We we've had 350 mass shootings this year, I think I've heard already. So it's not like it's slowing down anytime soon. But stuff like that where people are like, you can't joke about that where it's like, well, you don't, it, it's not glorifying the fact that children are able to get guns and we should have more armed children. It is quite the opposite. So I feel like that comes down to like just internet literacy and like the fact that mm -hmm. it's so annoying that people have to do this, but like on their tweets where people will have to put like a slash S to like indicate that they're being sarcastic about something because nobody has any type of like <laughs> comprehension about how comedy works. And it's just, I was like, we shouldn't have to do that. But <laughs> the story kind of drove that point home. I hadn't even heard of that. I haven't even heard of that slash S. So now there's a whole new, as Twitter crumbles, now I've just learned a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny that you said that was the, t when you started that sentence, I thought you were going to say like, it was something about like the submarine. Cause I know that was a big talker on the internet. Everybody was like, oh, you can't joke about this, people may be dead, which now they are. So how how do you find that line for both of you guys? Like, where where is the line these days for comedy? It feels like ever since the Trump years, like, there really isn't a line for both the right and the left. I, I think it all comes down to perspective uh, of what you, what you feel like. So the Hard Times has been around for eight years, and we used to be able to be a little bit more like, oh, they give it to both sides. But now if we do like a headline about like we're way further to the left of Joe Biden. But if we do a Joe Biden headline, then it's now we are a right wing uh, like comedy thing where it's like, no, we actually are way further to the left of him. He is right wing, but now the right wing people just only want to dunk on Biden. So you have now you're like aligning with them in some strange way. So it's just picking and choosing topics of like, are we making the the right statement here? And how is this going to be misinterpreted by um, the people that are internet illiterate, more or less? Yeah. How about you, Natalie? Yeah, I just really think I don't necessarily think that there's a line. I think it just, I think that it's possible to find humor in really terrible things. It's just a matter of like, who are you poking fun at? Or are you punching down? Or are you punching up? You know, like I remember when I was at Redacted, I did, it was this awful story about how there were like prisoners uh, in Oklahoma at like this private prison who, um, I think they thought they were going to be going to like a drug rehab, but instead they were actually sent to do like slaughter chickens i think in like some warehouse somewhere and which is pretty awful it seems like you can't really find anything funny out of that and like the 
I was trying, like pri- trying to pry something out of it. And because I had to do a lot of these package pieces on location, I decided it was like, okay, well, I, my office is around the corner from the national theater. So why don't I pretend that I'm supposed to go see the show Oklahoma. And then I had turned it into this piece where every, every couple, every maybe minute I would interject and do like a parody of like the song Oklahoma from the musical, but I would actually do like parodying the lyrics where I'd be like, Oh, Oklahoma, where the state takes pleasure in your pain, like something <laughs> like that. So, so I feel like you can find like something funny out of it, you know, but again, it's like, I'm not going to make, I'm not making fun of the prisoners. I'm making fun of the, of the state or the people, the people who like actually made this decision to put them through essentially slave labor. Well, I guess my question for you would be because everybody like I remember when Trump ran for office the first time, everybody's like, this will be great for comedy. And it's actually been like the worst fucking thing for comedy to the point where I think I'm almost sometimes scared to do political humor because I think people are so fucking tired of that late night beat where we're dunking on Trump or dunking on the right. But at the same time, it's so real and it's happening all the time. So. How does that impact your work? It's like, well, we have to address this. This did happen. They are banning drag queens or they did get rid of all these rights in the Supreme Court. Um, How much political and how much everything else do you do? Yeah, uh, I mean, we we definitely keep our eye on like one one tough thing that we have uh, going for is like everybody is a comedian these days online. So the takes come hot and fast uh, on on so many of those hot button issues. So when we do wade into that territory, we want to make sure we're coming at it from an original angle um, that isn't, you know, Trump is orange, uh, you know, and any of that stuff where it's like, yes, yes, Cheeto fingers, stuff like that, where it's, it's so overdone. And so, I mean, I look at like the, the biggest uh, right wing uh, news outlet, satire news outlet, the Babylon Bee, that they just make their money off of being Joe Biden is old. And, you know, and it's like, what's the joke? You yeah. know, like, and it's, but, the, and then their people just eat it up, be like, he is old though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's good stuff. And it's like, uh, so it, it is tough. I, I feel like it is tough to have sharp political takes. At the same time, there's an entire, world of people that we probably do not associate with that only want the most tired political takes because it's confirmation bias for them and what they feel like. And then they just say, that's real comedy right there. Yeah. Well, I also think it's gotten so difficult in the sense that like, and maybe it's different since you're online and then you're working, Black Lady Sketcher is HBO, right? Mm-hmm. So you're working for a network. Maybe there's different boundaries for each of your jobs, but you do have to have mass appeal, but at the same time, especially on the left, there's such a varying degree of left, you know, like Joe Biden stands versus lefty Bernie stands versus the rest of America. Like, how do you stay mainstream enough where you can make money or do you even bother with that? Do you just go for a niche? I, I think with the hard times that we just go for, if we find the take funny, we'll go with it. And um, we tend to not worry about any repercussions from, I, I mean, cause that is a big thing of like the right has been able to take over so many minds because they support each other almost to the death. Like this guy killed somebody, but I don't care where the left is like, you accidentally said something, uh, you know, uh, 
that is a word that we don't say anymore in on a podcast eight years ago, like, no, thank you. We're like, we're done with you. And, and now we see the right wing is actually kind of tearing themselves apart in the same way, which is nice. Um, but to, to answer that question, we, we just go with what we think is f- funny. And, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't like it, I, I, we, we hear about it, you know, they'll, they'll say, uh, whatever. And we go move on. We're, we're churning out too much stuff to care about what this one person, what this one internet commenter has to say. Yeah. I mean, well, with a black lady sketch show, I mean, it's obviously a, a, a targeted audience. Like we're going with what we think that, you know, most black women, you know, would relate to. And, you know, not necessarily, we don't necessarily get like glowing reviews from like every black person <laughs> in America. Cause we are not a monolith. Um, but like, uh, but with Redacted, we were definitely way more like left of center. So like we were uh, definitely not, I don't, I wouldn't say we were appealing to a lot of people who were like pro Joe Biden or anything like that. Um, so, um, so we didn't necessarily care about appealing to that base. Uh, so, or at least that, that, that was definitely, I think, reflected in a lot of the pieces that we were going for, because the whole point of the show was to go for, you know, news that wasn't necessarily being represented in like mainstream media. So an interesting conversation that we had in our last podcast um, with this activist, which she was, you know, she's an abortion activist. She's on the on the ground a lot, you know, doing the work. And she's like, the problem with the right besides every other problem, is that they're so goddamn corny. <laughs> um, all of the, like you were saying, the Babylon Bee is so corny. There's just no edge to it. Like, it's just not thoughtful comedy. And my response to that was, well, because comedy has to be based in like a kernel of truth and they have nothing to go off of. Do you guys have any thoughts <laughs> on that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I could spend uh, hours and hours talking. Like, I mean, I actively avoid looking at any Babylon Bee stuff, but even if I accidentally scroll Twitter for some reason, Elon Musk is putting their editor-in-chief in my feed and I'll see like, oh, this is what the right wing is mad at t- today, you know, and it's, you know, the dumbest shit in the world. Chick-fil-A, you know, hires... Uh, somebody for a diversity campaign and then all of a sudden no more super christian chicken for you you know like i I, they just can keep beating the same drum of we are being targeted and oppressed and silenced on the internet therefore we must yell even louder and it's just an echo chamber like you are you are still the dominant force. Uh, Christianity is still pretty mainstream, uh, and you, you guys are doing okay. So um, it, it's just it, they're yeah they're corn balls. That's that's all it is. It comes down to complete corn balls. Yeah, and I don't think anything that they do can be rooted in truth because they're not living in reality. Like, right? <laughs> like no. they, they don't live in a world where like uh, people like me exist, or <laughs> or at least that's the cho- that's the world that they are choosing to curate. You know, and they, you know, they're well. I don't want to say they're unaware of their privilege. I think I think they are, which is why they're doing what they're doing. But well, they they think that privilege is like, well, I work hard, so I don't have privilege. It's like, well, that's not the same thing. Right. Like, uh, you know, like having a job doesn't mean you are privileged. Like you have a yacht or something like that. They're just, uh, it's they they are crazy people. Now, I just want to be so clear here that if it seems like we're being super unfair and only dunking on conservative comedic voices, there are definitely some comedians on the left that are so goddamn cringe that they make me want to hang myself with a chain of coexist stickers. 
But like we talked about in the last episode, the problem with the right-wing humor is that it doesn't even contain the tiniest kernel of universal truth. And that's the secret sauce here. Comedy is based on truth. For example, farts, huh? Farts will always be funny, because we all live in fear that one day we'll misjudge between a soft little squeaker and a full-blown shark. But conservatives, they really only recognize a super narrow worldview. Like, take this line, for example. Quote, Crime is a beloved and noble tradition of BIPOC communities. Yeah, I'm not joking. That's one of the opening lines from a Babylon Bee article about the recent controversy surrounding Jason Aldean's music video that's uh, a little more than lynchy. So anyway, my producers, Max, Pete, and I decided to say fuck it to our mental health and scour the internet for the best, worst conservative comedy, just to give you a little broad sampling of the Cracker Barrel Buffet of unfunny bullshit. All right. Indecent team, assemble. Ooh, announcer voice engaged. <laughs> uh, we kind of dove into different corners of this shitstorm. I took on the Babylon Bee, which was very fun. I spent several hours like going really, really deep. So I may have too much to uh, more way more than you guys, but I'm I didn't really know what where to stop myself. So uh, you guys ready to get into it? It does make me worried, worried that you are now a convert. Like you spent hours because you're like, yeah, now I get it. Well, what's funny is that they're they definitely follow a style similar to the Onion and the hard times in that like short, uh, really short story, like a couple of beats in that headline is like the main thing. So it's like super clickable and like, you know, very easy to share. Like you can just like share. It's like basically sharing a meme. The thing about these is uh, um, about what I found on Babylon B is that like they're way shorter than other the other two examples I just said. And there's way more fucking advertising. Uh, for very strange companies, but I, I lumped these into like to a couple different categories. One is just dumb as fuck. The other is weird spawn con, like like sponsored content from some of these super Christian or right wing, uh, you know, organizations or companies. Which I did not realize. I knew that Babylon B was conservative, but I didn't realize it was like hardcore Christian. Yeah, Ooh. I was not aware until like yeah, like I, I you kind of think it's just oh, it's just like shitty the shittiest take on every topic you can think of, but it's also like very, very Christian. Well, is Babylon something from the Bible? It's where the Jews were held in captivity after the temple was destroyed and we were taken away. Uh, we, the Jews, um, were taken to Babylon, <laughs> uh, which was like, yeah, it's it's in, in modern day Iraq. Interesting. And then isn't that also the Tower of Babylon where the, everybody gets hit in the head and speaks That's the Tower language? of Babel. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'm not helping our case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other categories, though, were actually kind of funny because there was like two that really made me laugh. And the, another category, I just don't understand. Like, I'm like, this is completely indecipherable to me and like not, not <laughs> funny at all. And then there's, of course, like not surprising, outright awful. So for the, ju the just dumb as fuck category, the first one that le le leapt out of me I was, when I read this, I was like, what on earth are they talking about? Supreme Court rules 5-4 that Ross and Rachel were on a break. <laughs> and it seems so fucking unusual to me to like, let's use a cultural touchstone from 20 years ago. That's like what everybody wants to click and share on Instagram, I guess. Like, or is it just that like, 
in like conservative culture, like we have not advanced beyond that point. You know what I mean? Like they don't acknowledge anything that came after like 1996. I know lots of latte sipping liberals who love friends. So I don't know. That might be just an American thing. That's really indicative of whether or not something is good comedy. If both the right and the left like it, then mm, it's probably not good. <laughs> it's start, that's where I started to like when I the more I read, I was like, not only is this bad, but it's like, you know how The Onion is like written to look like journalism and like the hard times is kind of too like this is just like badly written a lot of it. <laughs> But like there is there's another one that I thought was great. That was like the ultimate amount of bootlicking. And I want to read this article to you in its entirety, because like not only is it like fucking stupid and gross, but it seems like it was written by a 12 year old. So the headline is immediately after moving to Texas, Elon Musk announces Tesla AR-15. The article is this. After years of fighting lame California politicians who want to lock everyone in their homes so they can't go to space or build cool stuff, <laughs> Tesla CEO Elon Musk announced he was moving to a land flowing with milk and honey called Texas. Almost immediately after the, new, after the move, he announced a new product the whole world has been waiting for, <laughs> the Tesla AR-15. Uh, howdy, I think, said Elon, expertly taking on the local dialect. Y'all want a Tesla AR-15? You got it, partner. The new firearm will look similar to a standard AR-15, but will in fact be a battery-powered rail gun capable of firing 3 million rounds per minute. It'll also feature a fingerprint sensor, Bluetooth capability, heat-seeking ammunition, and a chainsaw bayonet. So, like, what? you guys explain to me, what about this is supposed to be funny? (laughs) Like, I, I really don't... Like it's it's like the beginning of a joke (laughs) to me. What's funny on our side of it, I guess, is that, yeah, Elon has definitely got school shooter vibes. He would come up with that, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's also like this is the kind of thing that I was 100 percent expecting to find. Oh, no, your wife has sent you several funny videos and she expects you to watch them. (laughs) There is like a lot of like oxygen put into this website into being like husbands and wives fucking hate each other. You know, like that's like the dynamic that not only they're like acknowledging exists, but are like trying to support. You know what I mean? Like it really is like their sense of humor never evolved past nineties sitcom TV. Like, you know, it's no wonder they like friends. Cause it's like, Oh, is Chandler gay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Rachel's being such a woman. (laughs) That's the thing about, um, uh, two and a half men. Uh, I think it was Gil Ozeri, but some comedian like watched all of it, it, it like in one sitting, which is totally insane. But then like when it was like over, he was writing about it and he was like, the thing is that two and a half men is like 70% jokes about anal sex. <laughs> like it's like, it's a, it's a like st- a network sitcom, but all the things are like, what are you going to do with that? Put it up. Huh? And it's like, similarly, like the funniest thing in the world is like, what if a man had something in his butt? to which i think gen z says you know that's where we start (laughs) Uh, i want to share you the with you guys though the two that i did really think were kind of funny this one is biden cuts hole in mask so he can still sniff people's hair i thought that was a banger i I ought to get gotta give it up to them that just is very like that let me show you the image of that they used to it's just it's just it's (laughs) <laughs> it's a great piece of Photoshop. It's uh, Biden with like one of those blue masks that with a little nose hole cut out. It's very, I got to tip my, tip my hat to them. And then the, um, the other one that I thought was really, really fucking funny was um, 
Cracker Jack changes changes name to more politically correct Caucasian Jack. Oh, boo! You know that that candy like the candy corn stuff. Oh God! I was like that. Well, with the Biden one, I'm just happy to see right wing content that includes masks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's wearing it more correctly than most people, mostly non-maskers do. Yeah, and the people like put it right. on their chin and they're like, "I'm wearing it." So I think that's the best that I got. What What do you guys uh, got for me? Well, uh, the first thing I got, I mean, this isn't even funny. It's just horrible. But, you know, it's coming from Gutfeld, who's supposed to be their funny guy. Uh, he got in some hot water this week because he came in hot saying that, quote unquote, Jewish people had to be useful to the Nazis to survive the Holocaust. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, which comes, it came like they were discussing about the weird, uh, Florida thing where they were explaining in their curriculum that some black people benefited from slavery. So this was in that same vein. Um, and I think that they were quoting some book from a Holocaust survivor where the Holocaust survivor was saying was like, if you had a skill, right. you lived longer, which is probably factual. But the context they were using it in was so <laughs> wrong. It was, well, you know, it made them stronger and, you know, they got some useful manual labor. <laughs> was he making a joke or was he just like stating an opinion? That's what's hard for me because when you watch <laughs> Gutfeld, and I think that he was a guest on somebody else's show, but even on his own show, you don't know what's supposed to be the joke because it's literally him just saying hateful shit. And you're like, where's the punchline? Jews love hard labor. Is that that that's the, the punchline in there? Which, first of all, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we don't have a lot of Jewish athletes. Okay. <laughs> Mark Spitz, the best swimmer before what's his name? He was Jewish. <laughs> now, Max, what I know you have something a little more obscure for us. What yeah. what is it? I would say, I said this to you guys before we started recording, but I would describe this as a cautionary tale. Um, so this is about like when using humor goes wrong and like backfires uh, to a certain extent. So how much do you guys know about Italian parliamentary politics? Everything there is to know, baby. I'm primed. Yeah, it's, it's actually not that that detailed, but it is about Italy. So Italy has a relatively new prime minister, Georgia Maloney. She just like came to D.C. and like had like a state dinner with Biden and they were talking about like Ukraine stuff. Um, but she's kind of an outlier because she is like a far right politician and she's part of the first like far right government Italy has had since Mussolini, who led a pretty far right government. Um, and so she actually was known early in her career for saying that Mussolini like did everything he did for Italy and kind of like apologizing for fascism. Um, but the humor comes into play because she gave this speech uh, a couple of years ago and it was super intense and like super over the top and it starts with her i don't speak italian so i don't know if this is exactly correct but it's basically like i'm georgia i am a woman i am a mother i'm a christian i'm an italian like all these things that she's saying like cancel culture tells her she can't be now that like she has to conform um and at the time it was like a big fucking joke and everybody was like, look at this lady. She's so dumb. She just like spouts off this crazy stuff. She like, gave, it's kind of like the Howard Dean, like, yeah, like. Yeah, thing. yeah. But what happened is uh, this is where house music enters the picture, as it does with all great political dramas. Um, 
So it became like a thing that people made memes out of. And the biggest meme to come out of it was a house music track that these DJs made about like with the, the audio of her speech. So wait, we should play that now. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a banger yeah the editing of her dancing around in this video is, is good too so this is the problem though it's such a banger that when this was given like the speech was originally given she wasn't a big deal like this made her a huge deal in italy and everybody knew her name this so techno then, song kind of i mean she was a politician <laughs> but that's like it's like one of the bigger like things that helped propel her rise it's kind of like what uh viva ruiz was saying she was like yeah you know it's like uh, you know we we chant our chants and you know they got good beats and like flashy costumes and whatever and i think i said to her i was like yeah it's hard to be mad at something with a good beat and this woman is literally proof i think you're 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 up to fascism so much better than we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's more bespoke you know really handcrafted yeah yeah not mass produced <laughs> I so wish I could say that we scraped the bottom of the barrel for that so-called comedy, but it's really more like the tip of the racist iceberg. So uh, let's go ahead and go back to Natalie and Bill, for God's sake. So uh, you guys were kind of talking about this earlier. Like, how do you, in the age of Twitter, which is hopefully ending soon, um, <laughs> how do you stay funnier than everybody else on Twitter? Like, how do you take that joke from A to B to C to like F? Like, nobody's thought of this. I, I mean, I think that's what Twitter's best at is just A to B, mm -hmm. you know? Like, Twitter is all reactions. It's it's A to B. Um, and so I feel like if, after doing this long enough, I start at A to C, you know, at least at A to C. And then it's just like, all right, what if you come at it from the other side of things uh but then sometimes the we've we've realized especially the hard times that sometimes the smartest joke uh goes over people's heads and the you don't want to go a to f maybe you just go a to c uh for an easy take on like a political thing where it's like if we're just doing our standard joke about a crust punk being dirty then we got to go like a to a to F uh, to make that one funny since we've beat that drum so many times on crust punks. <laughs> for me, it's it's been, well, at least for on Twitter, it's really been important for me to like, try to stay away from like any, any type of joke, like template or like trend that like keeps popping up over and over again. Cause I think like, while that is very good in terms of like keeping your brain working and it's a good, way to like generate jokes. Um, I feel like it's a very easy way to get stale. Um, it, cause, but it's tempting to do it because like, if you're trying to drive engagement, you know, and everybody's doing this one <laughs> template or this one trend that you want to get on it too. So it's like, unless you can find a way to make that your own thing or make it unique, like, uh, the challenging thing is to not do it at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, on that point, I'm still making Chuck Norris jokes on Twitter. <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, that's, that's where I'm at. I think we've come full circle where like, that's acceptable. <laughs> like, and I haven't seen a Chuck Norris joke in forever. <laughs> How do you guys feel? I mean, I can probably guess 
based on the platforms you work for, based on what I know about you guys. But how do you feel about like ethical responsibilities in comedy? Like, do you have any? As in like a responsibility to inform it yeah, as well as like, make people laugh. I'm not going to mention any particular comedians with any podcast, but you know, there's some po- comedians who, you know, just whatever facts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, who even cares? Who, you know, <laughs> who could you be talking about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like I always, even though I don't work in news anymore, like I, it is always a bug in the back of my brain. I'm like, yes, but is this joke like actually accurate <laughs> like which is sometimes a hindrance in comedy like oh well does, does it even have to be accurate like oh I can okay like from that yeah because there's there's a tendency sometimes when you're doing jokes to like exaggerate a little bit or maybe like a story isn't exactly true you know mm-hmm. but if I but there are a lot of jokes that I used to do earlier and I still do where I'm like referencing a news story and like <laughs> I do feel a responsibility to like get <laughs> get those details right like I don't want to be like lying about that on uh, on top of maybe like just like a premise or a story like that that part of comedy like that's fine people do that all the time but like you're like actually referencing a real thing that has happened to a real person like you know anybody in that audience could go and google it and see if you're telling the truth about it or not you know so you know it's just a matter of like how how you feel about that do you care that people know that you <laughs> were lying about it or or do you feel like you have a responsibility to at least get that part of your joke right right yeah, on, like on a super low level, like we have that at the hard times world, like there'll be a joke about like, what if we make a joke about X band reuniting after all these years? Like, are they reuniting though? You know, and it's like, if they're not, then what is the joke going to be other than people excitedly clicking on this and then being like, oh, this whole thing's a fucking lie. And now I'm pissed <laughs> off, you know, it's just like, oh yeah. Well, if now, if the Let's say like when the original Misfits did reunite a couple years ago, then we have a bunch of headlines we can do about this actual reunion as opposed to making up, uh, you know, something about X-Band that everybody wants to see back together. And uh, just there on a super low level, lying doesn't really get you anywhere uh, because it just serves to discredit you, even if you're already doing fake stuff. You know, it's it's this weird uh, thing going on. Yeah. I don't know. I hate that cop out too. Like the oh, well, it's just comedy. It's just, I'm just a comedian. Like no, you're standing on a right. platform. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to have this joke about like how vibrators were invented as a response to hysteria, but then I found out that that wasn't true, and I had to stop doing the joke because it just bothered me so much. Even though the joke was good, and even though it was getting laughs, I'm like, oh, it's not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like there was, there was a, a joke that I used to do, like this, not even the, the same thing, but there was a joke um, I used to do uh, about a giraffe uh, named April. Um, and when the giraffe died, like I felt like I couldn't do the joke anymore because every time <laughs> I was telling the joke, it made it seem like the giraffe was still, <laughs> still with us. <laughs> and that's like the dumbest thing ever. It's uh, an average person will be like, just keep telling the joke. Nobody knows. But the fuck, who the fuck April the giraffe is? But because I come, hey, from if news, you're doing a show in San, if you do a show in San Diego, some zoologist yeah. might be like, hey, April died in 2018. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was kind of mortified. Somebody was going to scream like, oh, that giraffe, oh, that she died like four years ago. Like I truly <laughs> thought that was going to happen when I was telling it, and never did. 
but I still haven't told it because, because of that. Uh, we, we live in hell. Yeah, we That's do. all it comes we down do. to. We really do. I literally have a shirt that says that we live in hell. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel. My mom just sent me an article this morning about how there's this uh, volcano that's probably going to explode. Don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, yeah. we might all die in a few days. So <laughs> where is the volcano? Uh. <laughs> in Yosemite, apparently, or Yellowstone. Oh, oh, oh it's that close. Sorry, it's close to us. Close. Uh, so this is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. If, if if you're talking like Vesuvius is going off again, I'm like, oh, whatever. You know, those Italians, whatever. whatever. But uh, you know, it's such like oof, an American this, response. I just had to. I was like, where is it? And I'm like, because if you had said it was like across the ocean, I'm like, I don't have to worry about that. And it's like, <laughs> want to imply that I don't care about other people, <laughs> but it's such an American thing to not. So <laughs> that's what got us with COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. Very difficult to cut through uh, all of the the stuff we are bombarded with at all times because yeah you get an alert on your phone about you know eight dead in a mall and you're like cool how many of them were children seven like oh nice like this is great um, and was that was that a daycare yeah cool 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 all right um, well I have to go to Whole Foods now and get some quinoa uh, so um, carrying on now that I'm you know not in you know a job where I'm covering it in a satirical way, I know that I usually have to try to take a step back and like, you know what, I'm not going to look at Twitter for the rest of the day, or especially after like the SCOTUS rulings came out, I was like, and the way that Twitter is right now, I was like, this is just a dumpster fire. Like, like I know what I'm going to get when I scroll in here, you know, and like any little bit of an, an echo chamber that I had just to keep my sanity is gone because of the way that the site is being managed right now. So, and I'm not saying echo chambers are necessarily a good thing. It's just now it's, you know, if having an echo chamber means I don't have a blue check mark saying something terrible, <laughs> then, then, and then fine. Like I'm fine with that. So, um, so yeah, definitely, you know, for me now, like taking some breaks from it, um, definitely helps because I'm just if I'm just sitting in the swamp like the whole time like it's going to be hard to come up with anything funny about it you know until I have some distance from it well this has been really great guys uh this is fun thank you guys so much for talking to me yeah thank you yeah thanks for having me <laughs> fact and fiction really do play a role when figuring out what's funny about our fucked up little world but that also brings up a whole other set of questions that we can't ignore what happens when the places we get our info are sabotaged by society's psychotic sad boys? And how do the most important parts of the internet become incubators for smooth-brained ignorance? Next time, we're talking to critically acclaimed podcaster and activist Bridget Todd about the biggest dirty word of the digital age. No, it's not dick pic. I'm talking disinformation. Far be it to me, for me to like speculate what's going on in Elon Musk's head. It's like trying to figure out what a dog is thinking, but like, <laughs> or like what, like, yeah, like why a dog does what it does. But like, I think that we have a real problem with, with it just demonstrates the problem that we have with wealth concentration in this country. When somebody can have so much money that they buy one of our largest digital communications platforms almost on a lark, they tank it overnight. It's no longer valuable. They lose a lot of money and it's just like a blip to them. Like, it's just like, nobody should have that much money where that's what they're able to do. New episodes come out every other Wednesday. Giving us a rating and a review is a huge help and make sure other people can find the show. Indecent is a production of Next Chapter Podcast. Go to ncpodcast.com to learn more. And if you have something you want to talk to us about, a guest you want to recommend, or you just want to send us a sick beat featuring a quote from someone that isn't a fascist, 
Well, shoot us an email at indecentthepod at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at indecentkiki. Follow me at It's Kiki Anderson, and my producers are Max Wolfson and Pete Musto, and our executive producer is Jeremiah Tittle. I'm Kiki Anderson, and this has been Indecent, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Next Chapter Podcasts.